Hey everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. And you're welcome along to episode 22 of LOI Central. Where are we, Dan? We're in a, we're in Santry direction. Gourmet, the Gourmet Food Parlour in Santry. We, we drove by Morton Stadium on the way out, so... We were sort of talking about our more stadium memories. Lots of uh, flashbacks there, yeah. Uh, this is LOI Central in association with futureticketing.ie. On today's show, we have Carl Shepherd checking in, um, who conveniently lives Northside. We will have our uh, old speaker system back, I think, next week. Onwards and upwards out of uh, Zoom and all of that. Um, we're going to hear as well from Andy Lyons. Sorry, not from Andy Lyons, from Ross Tierney and Dawson Devoy. I'm, I'm putting all these young lads in together, I suppose. They spoke ahead of the press conference, ahead of the game against Pauk. We'll also be giving away a pizza with Four Star Pizza. And we'll be discussing what was arguably one of the most amazing weeks of Irish football uh, in a long, long time, if not ever. And um, yeah, the third uh, qualifying round, second legs in the Euro for Conference Conference League is all ahead of us. First of all, hello to Carl Shepherd. How are you, Carl? I'm very good, Johnny. Then good to see us. You've uh, gotten a new house. You're, you've come here like you've summed that out of Bob the Builder effect. <laughs> you're, uh, you're cleaning away. Yeah, it's. Uh covered in paint uh pretty stressed out about the whole thing but it's uh give me a focus it's good this is a uh, this is actually quite serious in that you probably were able to get a mortgage because you're not a footballer anymore yeah 100 percent. i think i went in maybe three four times as a footballer and pretty much laughed out of the place each time it's just sometimes i had two and a half year deals other times obviously look you're probably going in with an 18 month contract but each time you're getting laughed out and look, i've managed to get one now thankfully but it's definitely an area I suppose that maybe the PFAI have to do something on and look to get some sort of agreement with banks or look to work with players to find ways of getting the mortgages while they're playing because it's going to turn players away from playing when they get into I suppose their 26, 27s that they're going to start looking at maybe I'm going to have to leave football earlier because I can't get a mortgage. It's a big talking point within the league. I mean, you know, you speak to the sort of older players. Like, Tell me about those discussions that you have because I've gone through mortgage approval and it's like it's an arduous paperwork process, and but obviously, if, if, if I can imagine your work situation invited questions, like how did it actually go? Yeah, not too well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They tend to initially entertain it, and then as you get into the nitty gritties of, okay, well, what are you going to do after football? Have you done this for six months already? Now, are you? I suppose are you guaranteed an extra? let's say coaching role after you're playing and you can get notes from clubs saying yes this guy definitely looks like he'll be gone as a coach but ultimately it's not what the paper it's wrote on for them they will just say to you straight out like no we we can't entertain this and again I know there's some players who have been lucky enough to get uh, get I suppose mortgages with League of Ireland contracts but I'd say that's under one percent mm. it's pretty stark you know I mean I know the, the reason you're you, you're retired now I'm, we can talk a bit about that, but I know you had sort of physical reasons that your your body was at you. But, but did, did this always weigh in your mind as well too? Like the, maybe you could have tried to play on, but then this instability in your personal life would have still have remained, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I was living with my girlfriend and the little one as well. So it's uh, definitely something that's on the back of your not on the back of your mind, it's at the forefront of your mind for a long time. Saying, right, we've tried to go in for a mortgage. It's dropping because of me and because I'm a footballer. So. It was maybe a 5-10% reason of why I would have called it a day. But again, for me, it was more so the injuries. If I could have went down for another year, I would have. Mm. Even mm. with the downside of not getting your mortgage. Are you missing it? Uh, 
I don't really miss, like again a lot of players will come in and they'll say I miss the day to day banter with the lads I was never really one for giant banter with the lads in the dressing room I more so missed uh, I suppose the aggression that comes with football I suppose my missus probably thinks I'm too nice now at the minute <laughs> uh, like my personality has probably slightly changed from being someone who's quite motivated and uh, I suppose to now I'm quite more laid back whereas I, I, I really like being motivated and I think everyone's against me and everyone's against us as a team and I suppose I missed that aspect of it I can see why you were at the Cork then right yeah, me and John Caulfield <laughs> yeah. but like it is it is I don't know when you were sort of winning leagues and challenging a couple of years ago and how did you see your like how old are you now you're 29, 30 30 now just come down yeah, yeah when you were challenging winning leagues in Cork and stuff where did you see yourself being at 30 like does it surprise you that it's, it's that you've arrived at this stage maybe you quicker than you might have thought yeah so I used to always speak with like let's say Alan Bennett, Bennett and Colin Healy and I, they would have been 37 36 37 and I would have seen myself as being the same as them that for me my long term goal was to be right up at the top until I'm their age which was 36 37 and so from the cup final which was 2017 winning that to double that year mm. to two months later to be told I had arthritis to being retired two and a half years later was pretty stark really and it kind of changed everything very quickly but I was lucky that I suppose my last year at Shells gave me a year to kind of give it one last crack I was really like right if this year I'm not feeling right then I know that next year I'm not putting the body through it again and I didn't want to put clubs through it again like it's not not something that I wanted to do next year going into this year if my body wasn't right getting another contract and being that lad where you're like he's just sticking around for the money arthritis only happens to old people that's what you think yeah. but it's not yeah yeah no no look it's it's actually a fair bit more common than people would think until mm. you hear someone with it mm. i know there's sporting athletes out there who actually have it in ireland i know there's quite a famous uh camogie player i can't think of her name now but mm. she's playing on with it so i suppose there's just severities to it whereas i suppose it took away a large percentage of my game i suppose I was, yeah, I wasn't blessed with amazing technical ability. I was a hard worker and I was quick enough. So as soon as that went away, I suppose mm. the a lot of ability went away with it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so sort of yeah, it is. So that last year with Charles, I mean, the fact that you were not playing for a couple of months for a long, large mm-hmm. part of the season with the, the shutdown and stuff, like did that give you a time to sort of realise what life where football could be as well too? Because I think that was a break for a lot of people and even at a lower level I think even junior football level and stuff a lot of people got out of the habit of they suddenly mm-hmm. saw a life that they hadn't known yeah. was that was, was that your experience in uh, some ways? If anything it was I did the opposite I had that time there I would you believe the Thursday before lockdown so we were obviously meant to play on the Friday ter- Thursday before I went in to take a shot in training and my knee collapsed and pretty much buckled on me and it gave me a severe bout of tendonitis in the knee and with my arthritis it attacks tendons so I was blessed in a sense that it gave me a few months to try and get it right but that was the injury that basically stopped it for me because yeah. a, a tendon injury in football look they're slow to come back to but when you have the condition that I did I knew that it was just going to be ongoing and during the whole lockdown I was able to I suppose I got a gym into the house I made sure that I had everything that I could give it one last crack but for me it just wasn't to be right yeah. oh so was it just those last games on the pitch you knew yourself 
yeah to I'm, be not, on- I'm not i'm not where i want to be basically yeah to be honest i i wasn't enjoying it i was saying to Col- i had a few conversations with ian morris saying that i'm not right i shouldn't be out here playing i think if you look back at pictures you'll see i big bandages around my knees going out onto the pitch and it certainly wasn't what i envisaged myself as a player someone who's struggling to run or someone who's mm. struggling to get about the pitch and almost a weak link out there and from where I was two years ago to where I was then, it was just also the mental aspect of it isn't enjoyable. So I was saying to Kilo for a few weeks out, look, I'll be finished at the end of this year because I'm not, I can't go through another year of it really. Mm. It must be, t- it must be tough to take because you know you're you're 30 or you're even 29 at that stage, yeah. and all of a sudden it happens quickly, and you're like, I'm done here, and I wasn't necessarily prepared for this. Yeah, it's a look. I was blessed in a way that. I had a job with Shelburne that year that if if it came to me a year before, a year earlier, I would have been really mm. stuck and I would have been looking around going, what do I actually do now? So I was blessed that Shelburne were part-time and that I was able to get a role, I suppose, in the job I'm in now and play football at the time that it wasn't as big as a shock, but I suppose when I look back at it from what, two years, three years before that, winning a cup final, mm. winning the double and then being retired now it's certainly a, a big change but it's one that I'm actually kind of enjoying now my body's feeling good at the moment so I'm uh, I'll start to think about possibly even just kicking ball amateur yeah because you said you were telling us yeah you're coaching a bit with Port Marnock and you, what's your day job just to clarify for you, yeah, yeah so uh, I work in a company called Kuko Coffee who basically provide coffee machines for offices so uh, I suppose I'm able to have the feet up in one and in, in that aspect that I'm not torturing the body and I'm uh, obviously coaching my Port Marnock senior team now so uh it's okay. good. I'm obviously looking to stay in the game in that aspect. Yeah. So you you might. When will we see you again in the League of Ireland in some capacity in the future, potentially either underage or something like that? Is it's something that interests you, the coaching side of things? Yeah. So I suppose when I spoke about that determination and the drive, it was the bit that I actually missed from football. It's certainly there when it's with my coaching. So I'd be lying if I said I would settle for being an underage League of Ireland coach. Okay. I I suppose bigger goals than that, and I. Certainly, I've put in a bit of work already. I've done some with Avondale and I've done it now with Pop Marnica too since. So I've done a bit of coaching so far now and something that I really like. So I definitely have goals yeah. for you're talking about, you're talking about yeah. Yeah. I said underage is a stepping stone. Yeah. I wasn't suggesting that was your future. I haven't lost your no. confidence anyway. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. JC no, no. came from Avondale as well, of course. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so that's a. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'll get some tips from JC on how to do it. Just uh, like be a different style. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it's all well and good, like saying, okay, my style will be this. Like, do do you go into this thinking I I I will be a good manager because A, B, and C makes me individual or makes me unique? Because there are a million other managers out there. Yeah, no, I think what makes you a good manager is, I suppose, many different things. I've worked with some brilliant ones that I was able to t- pick up little bits and pieces from, especially Michael O'Neill and John. If you can get Michael's attention to detail and John's determination, motivation. You'd have some manager. Now, I'm not saying I'll be some manager, but what I'm saying is that I was lucky enough that I was able to work with some great managers, some great coaches, and I've tried to just pick up little bits from them. But also, I'm my own guy. I'm mm. a very determined person, so it certainly won't be through my lack of effort anyway. Mm. If anything will be down to, I suppose, my lack of quality as a coach if I don't make it in the end. Do you know, so, do you know what was mad, Dylan? I was watching uh, Galway United Dundalk under 14s from the, the highlights the other day and uh, the first two goals were given away by playing the ball out from the back one lad tried to like do this kind of scoop pass from the edge of the penalty area and the Galway United under 14s manager is he's from Spain 
And I was like, that's just another manager on the ladder. There's so many managers coming through the League of Ireland now with underage. It's it's kind of mad, and some of the games are actually like really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. It was, well, the, the interesting thing about it is it's trying to make it something of an industry. I think mm. this is the thing that like the the stat that was produced recently was like six full time staff members mm. working in League of Ireland academies. Now it's not a badge of honour. No, it's not. Now I do get the sense from chatting to a couple of people in recent times that I think it's something that they are looking to address. Um, and maybe even centrally as well because I think the, 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 the point is that even if you look at this, someone did make this point to me the amount of managers who've lost a job who then don't get back into the game mm. at senior level mm. I can only imagine an underage level too and that what you want is that when players have to retire that they're still, their, their knowledge isn't lost to mm. the game completely and, that's, and we see now Loads of players you've played with, I could, you could reel off a list of them who have, you know, who are working underage at various levels, be it the league clubs or like Billy Dennehy is in Kerry, isn't Kerry, he? Yeah. And mm. you know Dan Murray went into Cork, and I think of your ex teammates. But you can see them dotted around it. But you know, you need to be able to, to pay these people mm-hmm. as well as well too. You know, yeah. to to actually to to to, to say when you, that you retired is a bit of a pathway for you because otherwise these lads are sent off into into no man's land, and you've lived that experience a bit mm-hmm. yourself. That it's. You need you still probably needed connections or someone to go to Port Marnock to get in there. Maybe they came to you. I don't know how it works, mm-hmm. but if you sit and do nothing, it doesn't necessarily mean the phone's gonna gonna ring. Yeah, you know, no, I, I I was blessed. I, I suppose last year I was in with them. If I if I wasn't, I'd probably be twiddling my thumbs now, saying where do I go? How, how do I get into a team? So, as you said, you'd like to think there'd be a pathway again, but I spoke. I was on a coaching course before, and I spoke with Andy Reid, and I said to him. Would there not be a pathway at Nottingham Forest for you there, considering you've been there for so many years? Now I think he might be there now. He did but, eventually yeah, get there. But yeah, he was saying at the time, I suppose you're in no way guaranteed anything in football. That no one looks after you once you're gone. You're unless, another ex-player. Yeah, you're just mm-hmm. an ex-player to, to clubs, and look, they have budgets to run, and they ha- you can see why they won't be handing out big contracts to coaches underage because. I suppose you're not guaranteed that they'll be there in a year or two's time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think like if you look at it, how many players play on a Friday night in the league, like you know a couple of hundred, you know across the season, then add it from season to season, people retire and drop out, and there's like maybe twenty managers. Well, there mm-hmm. is twenty managers' jobs. Mm-hmm. You, see, you see, someone going into the women's game now because that's yeah. you know John Sullivan's there and a couple are in there because that's a route. To, but even you do the sums there and see assistants and coaches, you're talking a small number. Mm-hmm. You know, a small number. So yeah. the, the percentages are not in mm. your favour, and there's always. There's always an next guy coming along. Yeah. This is the thing people people go into management much younger. Look at Stephen Bradley and yeah. the age he was when he started. Mm-hmm. Steve O'Donnell. So it's it's a sort of funny one because maybe in some ways you're getting a head start that one door closing for you early is in playing. Mm-hmm. The body of experience you might build means that hopefully at 33, 34, you're experienced, but you might need to be. Yeah, you, you know? look at Stephen McDonnell at Dundalk. Yeah, that's yeah. a good example. He's, yeah. I think he went to manage Warren Point, was it? And yeah. now he's in Dundalk as basically is number two almost at the minute I know he's doing the academy but he's uh, he's one that look he retired early through I think he had a heart problem at the time yeah, yeah so he's uh, he's one that I looked at and went he's done it right he's probably looking to get maybe a couple more years in with Dundalk now and with their academy structure and make sure that he learns that way and then it wouldn't surprise me if he's another one who's trying to get a bit of League of Ireland management experience I, in a couple of years time I think as well what's interesting like Con Hoolan said that he uh he went. He, he he became a teacher to learn from the students. And like Keith Ward was saying last week or whenever, that like he's looking at some of the young players now, and he's not as if he's old. And he's like, I, I don't think I can do that. Like I don't think I can do so. Like you're looking at these young lads, and they're coming up with probably their own skill sets as well because the game is evolving, mm-hmm. obviously. Like. 
Yeah, it is, and I think that's why. Uh, I think you look at even, I suppose, the age profile of the manager in the league from mm. when I started to when I finished. It's probably down maybe twenty years, and I suppose it's uh, as you said, you have that new players coming through, but you also have the. I suppose everyone's looking for new enthusiastic ideas for managers, and you look at the ones who are doing well. Stevie O'Donnell, Stephen Bradley, Tim Clancy, all young managers doing really well in the league. Mm. So the reason we have you on is not just because you live in Cork Geography is a short-term <laughs> issue. It's like, it's like north side Dublin boys. You were number one on the list. Like, you know. <laughs> we were having a discussion the other day about various things and then we're like, well, what about Pauk? Because both are playing Pauk this week and we're thinking, what about someone who played for Pauk again, you know, for Shamrock Rovers 10 years ago? And of course, you scored in the what the Toomba Stadium as it is. I was there. I remember it. It's, I always say it's one of the amazing atmospheres I've experienced in, in football up there with Legia 2016. I think they're the top two. Um, and those are going to experience a bit of that this week. The closed doors football is gone. And it sounds like they're going to get, what is the capacity? I think 85%. 80, 85%. Yeah. So I don't know. What are they going to face on, on Thursday from your, from your recollections, Carl? From my recollections is an extremely hostile atmosphere. I remember we went out and it was as if the ground was jumping. Uh, you can see, you can look out and everyone's linked arms and they're all jumping up and down and they're just moving as one and there's some noise, there's fireworks going off. You're going out and you're just going. I suppose it's sink or swim now today. If I have a bad game, I'm going to be swallowed up here on the pitch. And I was blessed, I suppose, that I had one of my best games that I probably ever had. Yeah. Or did you lose 2-1? 2-1, yeah. yeah. Varenia, who went on to have... He was playing last week. Yeah, he was playing mm. last week. He's the captain now. That's the mad. He, he, was, yeah. he was in the squad for Portugal that, at Euro 2016. That is but, mad. It would not have known yeah. that but I, I think, he, I think he was an attacking midfielder yeah. then, though, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was, uh, I think he played attacking midfielder or maybe in off the left and he was... He got the top corner goal, did he? Then, yeah, he yeah. was frightening that day and he was, I suppose, the difference maker. But even just looking back at it, like they were a star sort of team then and obviously Bo's done it amazingly this time around and hopefully going again you wouldn't think I'd be saying it as, mm. as someone who had a checkered pass with Bo's but hopefully <laughs> they checkered pass a lot of clubs but the thing about it is like I covered all those games I think maybe of the six group games I know you led in Boy Hart Lane which was magic but I felt like that was the one that got away. It was that game. Yeah. So there's there's two sides to that because it was the most intimidating atmosphere you probably faced, and maybe this is the encouragement thing if you're the both that for all of that, it was the closest you came to a point. You possibly could have got a point because there was a couple of late chances, you might recall, dead balls yeah. thrown into the box and stuff. like yeah, that. Yeah, that was the the best game we had. It was by far the best game we had. Again, look when you go into, I suppose these big cauldrons, these big games. It's not what you're used to, so you gotta love it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You love it. You raise your game by, I'd say, ten percent easily, just by the motivation, the determination you're going in, and as well the stress and nerves. They can do. They can either drain you or they can lift you up to, I suppose, higher highs than you're than you're used to. And you look at. I, I always look at people who make their debuts. Their first five games, they're normally playing really, really well, and you might see a, a lull then after mm. that. So it's because I suppose all these added stress can obviously build you up and you're going out and playing beyond what you're usually capable of so for me I'd, I'd be quite enthusiastic that Bose can go over there and definitely put in a very good performance I'd be fairly confident of that how the result works out after that is I suppose beyond me to guess but I would just say that 
I definitely fancy them to go over there and put it up. Can you can you use that hostile crowd to your advantage? Because with the hostility comes expectation, and they'll be expected to beat this Irish club. You know, you know the attitude that will be there. That I presume in that game, once you have a couple of good moments, that doubt, that that hostility almost goes onto the backs of their players in a, in a sort of a way. Yeah, it does. And when you bring that up, it straight away just puts Serbia in my mind when we went out to Belgrade yeah. that time and going out again places happen and you're going to this is crazy how are we going to play against these ground's going to kill us if we go 1-0 up here so they obviously went 1-0 up and then Pat Sullivan scores and then next thing it's this place going to be quiet and then next thing as the game goes on and we're getting chances it's it's not going quiet they're just abusing their players mm. so again if Bows go out there and start well mm. You can guarantee that that place will go a little bit quieter and then it will go actually probably louder with them abusing their own players because, again, they're so hostile, they're not going to take losing to basically a part time team lightly over there. They're and going to let their players know. That's the thing as well, Dan, isn't it? That it's like losing isn't really an option for these lads. Like, they should be beating Bowes. It's, it's worth a lot of money to them, obviously. And it's like, it's not a, it's just not an option that they lose to Bowes. I know it's not. I mean, like, I, I still have to. The Greek media are still on, looking for daily updates about this game. They're sort of, uh, mm. I know, we're not sure what the story is. It might be, will Bowes have one or two absentees? We're still waiting to find out what the situation is. But they're very, they're very engaged by the whole thing. And this is the thing, like this is their life. Like this is, yeah. this is possibly the thing that we're envious of. Like we'd love to have that sort of industry mm. here. But we spoke about this the first leg last week, so we're not going to go over it again. Um, but like, I, I sort of still. There's, there's, a, there's a tendency to think but they're just going to lose because you assume this is League of Ireland club going where they should but the more I think about it well, the if point Bo, if Bowes are in full like, strength I think like you know yeah. I always think even going behind isn't a disaster in these type of games because yeah. I think a lot of the great Irish results over the years they've actually conceded because that Sullivan goal in Belgrade mm-hmm. that you mentioned that was just the biggest momentum switch I've ever yeah. almost witnessed in a game and there's, there's other games in recent memories where teams have been behind that it hasn't actually counted against them because it's almost like there's a sense of complacency that slots in Yeah. then you have that moment mm-hmm. and you just feel the energy of the Look ground Look at Vitesse and Dock like Vitesse and Dock last week battered and I'm trying to think half, of, there's like... lots of examples like that where mm. I'm trying to think I know the Dock were chasing the game against Batty in 2016 but there's other games in recent memory mm. where the Irish team and the comeback isn't, isn't actually their enemy and Bowes know? have a kind of a shot to nothing at this stage because they've done so well in the group they know they're not expected to win um, but I think they're just full of confidence I mean looking at the way they played in last week but if we get on to the V-Test and the off game McElhenney like I mean Dan you've said a million times everything about this looked amazing because it was in a good stadium um, the first goal which I mean his last header was probably the cup final maybe only other header, I think. Thanks, only other header. Thanks for bringing it Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that was unintentional uh, throwing by Johnny. Yeah. I was, I don't know, the, the second goal, and I suppose if you played with McElhenney or you trained with him, it's probably not that much of a surprise. But that's what the League of Ireland can be. Like, see, And I was saying this as well, you've McElhenney and Graham Burke, just to name two players, who are really, really good to watch, and they've made their career in the League of Ireland, and they, they're not going anywhere. Like, And that's what you get week to week. And again, it's not even just playing or training with him it's playing against Patrick now that you know that he can do that it's it was in no way surprised when I seen the goal that he scored mm. I was going what a goal it was that's brilliant I wish I could score that goal but yeah. it's Patrick you know he's going to do that because he's got he's got maybe over 10 goals that are almost fairly similar to similar, that yeah. yeah and you talk about the quality in the League of Ireland the quality's been I suppose there for many years you 
look at the players that have always been in the league there's always been good quality if anything it's only getting better with the young lads that are coming through mm. because they've been coached to play the right way so the quality is always there I, I suppose for me it's just about everything else that's around the, the quality of football that's on the pitch yeah because you were tweeting a bit about this last week um, is that your, did you have a previous Twitter account have you had a, you've had a Twitter I rebirth did, or something I did yeah, I, I, I was uh, I got an awful lot of abuse from Bose and then uh, no 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 I was uh, <laughs> I was actually just spending so much time on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter that I was like, right, I need to come away from these. Mm. Like they were, uh, they were. I was just spending far too much time on them, and I was thinking, right, this is time that I could probably start putting towards something else. So mm. thankfully, uh, now that I'm working remotely, I'm looking for things to do. So uh, <laughs> back, back Johnny, on Twitter, Johnny did the same thing. Yeah. He just tweets off our account now, the podcast account now. He's basically met a. He's so, like sometimes a, I can't he's remember like, he's, who's tweeting like, anymore. He's like, he's, like a, he's like a guy who's like giving up drinking, but goes back to the same pub with a, a fake moustache yeah. on. Him. All these anyone listening, seeing I come from far from away. They are all Johnny Ward. Just to be clear, they are all Johnny Ward. Uh, but I get what the, you're saying. Though, but the yeah. point you the point you were making, of course, last week was about the issue of coverage and and about exposure because the 10 years ago when you got to the group stages with Rovers like I think a lot of us thought well maybe this will represent a breakthrough maybe this will be the start of something and as much as like you went back over and we know the end of Stevens when we know the players will always have their own ambitions to go but I think we felt maybe this will be a some kind of turning point 2016 the dog was exactly the same we thought okay didn't happen 2011 but okay the money wasn't as good then or whatever it'll be the turning point and yet we're still in 2021 the best set of results since 2016 and Cork won a couple of games as well too it must be set in Europe that year as well and yet like we're still in the same zone aren't we we're still in the same place and I think you're a bit frustrated by that yeah so again I keep on hearing people say what a great week for Irish football and for me I couldn't disagree anymore it's a great week for each club Yeah. it's a great week for them for the revenue side of it but again in Irish football nothing really has changed bar maybe a new set of toilets here and there in each ground so when I look at it I could go through each ground from when I started to when I finished and I would say 85 to 95 percent of them is probably fairly similar bar a lick of paint so it's extremely disappointing if anything the TV coverage has actually got worse we used to have Satanta doing it now you just have RTE and obviously you have the streaming service which is good to have but again you, you have to pay for the streaming service so you're not going to get the floating fans as John Caldwell yeah. used to call them the floating fans who will come in when things are going well you want to be able to I suppose get them fans in regularly and transfer them into I suppose your core group of supporters if you can do that from going up from your 2000s up to your 5000 regularly that's yeah. when you, I suppose we can start to look at bringing the league on but for me until there's I suppose more done even on the marketing aspect of it you look at let's say the state that rugby was in what was that 10-15 years ago to where it is now you look at even the League of Ireland players no one is seen as an icon to kids growing up like they should be going out onto the street going, where are the billboards I'm, of McElhaney like yeah they should be looking at Matt Patrick McElhaney going mm. I want to oh, see that goal I want to go out onto the green and be Patrick mm. McElhaney but they aren't because as you said there's no billboards there's no mm. TV adverts around Dundalk or around Bowes doing unbelievably well and Shamrock Rovers doing unbelievably well and it's for me, I just think the league's going to stay the same, just ticking along until s- eventually I think it will one day come to where players just have to say, no, we aren't going to do it until there's funding pumped into the league. And mm. it could be the PFAI who step in. But unless something drastically changes with funding, well, I, I think we'll be talking 
about the same problems in five, ten years time. Yeah, like mm. but this 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 year might be a game changer in that there was a genuine revolt against the lack of TV coverage. But I think there might be. I think the government parties might be coming aware more that like there's actually a lot to be said for putting a bit of money into this. Um, and it has been like what the players have achieved on the pitch in a very wealthy country with no prize money is actually extraordinary. I really like. It, we shouldn't exaggerate how much or overemphasize how much. Bows are punched above their weight to be beaten Pauk. And deservedly beaten Pauk, like. And Dundalk getting two goals in Vitesse Arnhem. This is extraordinary stuff. And, you know, I don't know, this is, hasn't been done to any but, real money yeah, from within. But you know, like, I, I, I know we have to labour the point, but I even hate the... And it's something we have to lionise, is like that Bows are part-time. But even that whole... It, it almost creates that sort of... That it, that inferiority yeah, yeah. in the eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, like, there's this story of, uh, look at them, they're part-time. Which, to me, I'm looking at it like, going... Well, then that's ima- not good enough. Imagine, and I know a lot of the Bowes lads actually aren't mm. working outside the game, but still, like they aren't. The club technically is part time. Like the, it almost makes you want to scream and think. But well, imagine what could be done if like one hand wasn't tied behind their back. Mm. Like that should be the discussion that the last week. But I do agree with you. Like these fleeting glimpses of European performances show that there's potential there, but it's a bit like the Olympic stuff at the moment. Like everyone's big into it for, and then next week when the Premier League starts back at the weekend like, yeah. everyone goes into our into our, into our our usual viewing habits and, and and how do we snap out of it like I do think there's a view there's, there's, you'll probably just be, and I don't know if you ever experienced this yourself that people out there just may not realise that League of Ireland players are, are that good like, I, do, I do think there's people don't actually grasp 100%. that you saw it earlier in the year when it was classified as elite and Intercounty yeah. wasn't classified as elite there's, like there are people in the parts of the country who genuinely think that like Patrick McElhenney is no different to some lad playing down the road who could have been a contender. Yeah, you know, no, that is something yeah. that does exist, isn't it? Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Like people will, I guarantee you, people all over Ireland will be thinking like that. League of Ireland, that's brutal, and they're looking back on maybe a game they went to in the late nineties, and it was a hoofing match where the ball was spent in the air for long periods. But if you go to a game, look at the goals that are scored, look at the way the football is played now. I'd say almost every team bar maybe one or two play the right way they get the mm. ball down and they tr- it's far more entertaining than what it was when I joined and I think it's only going to get better and better I hate the lads who always say my time was better when I was playing and oh it is like what you're saying like and I know from my own perspective summer football and just players like even looking at underage games now but I don't know is, isn't there, there has to be a perception change across Europe though where you look at like Liverpool doing a deal with Pats for Vita, you know, for Yaros or whatever. Then you look at like Slovakian teams, Greek teams, Dutch teams, come up against League of Ireland teams, Port Luxembourg teams, teams from the Balkans, and like struggling, you know, and, and this this has to be something of a, Irish teams aren't bad, like, because the perception in Europe will change. The UEFA website has been full of like Shamrock Rovers, Bowes, even Dundalk over the last like week. That's because a lot of Irish lads working there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just, I was that's, wondering was it like a geo because I'm logging nah, in from Ireland. They, but, uh, they, they, the editor's choice was always they're, Ireland. The representation <laughs> of Irish lads. It's like Sunderland and Preston back in the day. It's like Roy Keane dressing room in the Propaganda. Yeah, so, I mean, let's be clear on that. Um, but, but no, I think, I think the point is though that like I think it's about having a discussion. Like all the teams could be knocked out this Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Like this is something that can happen. That doesn't mean they're all crap either. Yeah. It's, it's about sort of finding that middle, that, that middle ground. That to me, that's why the discussion about this run has to be okay. This shows that there's potential. There was potential that was still there in 2011. It was let slip. That was mm. there in 2016. Mm. It was let slip. And 
it was all based around like individual clubs. Like in twenty sixteen, you had that stuff in the FBI about we are creating the atmosphere for this run. They had nothing to do with it. That was all to do with Stephen Kenny and his work mm-hmm. in his dressing room and what they'd done. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to do with like a change of policy from above. I think now maybe you could say that the league becoming younger and the change of style might be contributing to something that's yeah. happening. I think like players from the two thousands will say that the league isn't as good now as it was then and I can see that argument but I think that the playing style changing now means you can translate to Europe easier I, yeah. I don't know 100% I, I, think I think that yeah. that's I think the fact that like years ago our clubs used to go to Europe and they had to think about how they would play you'd be 4-5-1 mm. yeah. and be I saw some mm. mad formations and tactics being employed whereas now you don't put Dawson Devoy in and you know play him off the right mm. and, yeah. and tell him to sort of you know face goal for most of the game that just it wouldn't suit them. Uh-huh. I wonder is that something that you noticed that change in style across the time? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like I even look at my first year at Cork. We went out to uh, was it Iceland and lost out there. I can't remember. Oh, that was after oh, yeah. I I come back from Pats were playing in Chicorn. I watched it in Tavies and you're, they were down to ten men. It was yeah, terrible. We were KR yeah. Reykjavik. Yeah, yeah. Reykjavik. Yeah, and we weren't used to having the football. So yeah, we were a long ball team at that stage. Mm. John will hate me for saying it, but <laughs> the first mm. year we you were, can say it now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the first year we were a long ball. My first year with them anyway, we were a long ball team, and when they went down to ten and we had more the ball, mm. we actually didn't know what to do. So we kept going long, and they just kept countering us. And, we ended up losing a game against a team that were not a good side and we they were down to 10 men so you look at let's say if Bose Rovers or Dundalk were put into that situation now you know well they'd keep the ball they'd wear them down and they'd wait for the moment and that's the way that I suppose it's gone since then even my last few years at Cork the team was starting to get the ball down and play better football then so the league has definitely come on for me leaps and bounds anyway even in terms of Visually watching each match, I think it's a lot better I, to watch now. I've seen that for years. Like I, I, every League of Ireland game I go to, pretty much I do enjoy it now. And so another couple of things that just when John McCourt played Milan last year, they took short kickouts even though Milan pressed high, and I was like, this is actually amazingly brave because like it is risky. But Rovers came up against an Albanian team to it last week who literally parked the bus. Yeah. Like I've never seen a League of Ireland. It was like team. a role reversal. It was a complete yeah. role reversal. And I think you wrote in your match for it, they'd more or less run out of ideas, which they kind of had. When you have a 17-year-old kid come on after brilliant skill by Danny Mandrew, wearing them down, as you said, they wore them down. I really think Rovers will go through now. I, I kind of, so I thought they were just, they're, they're by far the better team anyway. But that goal and a young kid coming through, 17, Dawson Devoy, Pats even had an 18-year-old, Melvin Lambert, obviously, who was on loan, but scoring against Dundalk. And the funny thing, which should be mentioned about the weekend, was Bowes followed this by going to Waterford and losing. Rovers were all out to beat Longford. And Dundalk were hammered at home to Pats. So the European teams, and I know it's a bit of a hangover. hangover but there is a bit of depth to the league, which probably people haven't given the credit mm-hmm. for. Like, Pats would do well in Europe, I think. Would, would do reasonably well. Sligo should have done a lot better in Europe. And Dundalk are seventh in the league at the moment. So it is, there's a bit of depth to the league, I think. Yeah, there definitely is. I think when you, again, I draw back on my own experience, there is always a lull around that European game. Mm, and yeah. you're, the only thing you are thinking about is we've that big one next week. And you, a lot of times, Pat Sullivan used to actually joke when I was at Shamrock Rovers with him saying like, out here in Belfield for Fs. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. go on about it and go, I hate these games. And he'd be in some way right because 
it's so hard to motivate yourself in them games going from the big crowd to sell out. Well, they to, say you should be professional, but both it wasn't a major surprise that they bombed against Watford. Like they're in the yeah, RSC. How do you come from the, the high that they're experiencing in those mm. games? This is the whole point. Like. Long was very like you could tell he was pissed off after the game. They've done this twice now against Longford. They couldn't beat them at home, and then Watford. But like it's it's a natural human thing, I guess. I think that six eight changes as well. Like, yeah, that reflects it. I think players know. Like, yeah, like the dog yeah, last year. Yeah, the dog last year managed their whole campaign. Yeah, in Europe and the league games were all. See, Bowes might get into Europe next season. Though. Do you know what I mean? It's not set in stone. Like, yeah, so it's kind of no. mad. Like, well, that's the costly thing about it. But um, I don't know. Like, in terms of the, chap, the players in the league at the moment that excite you. If you were, if I said to you, you know, you can go and watch them at the weekend, or who are the players that, that you would look at and say, yeah, they've got, they've got a good chance. I wish you didn't ask me this because again more abuse you on Twitter no most of them are playing for bows at the minute yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know look I, I really like Ross Tierney I think he's a bag full of energy Dawson the boys beautiful player both to watch. of whom he's, we'll be hearing from shortly yeah, yeah like bo- both of them are very good players and one that's slightly gone under the radar this year I think is Andy Lyons I think yeah. he, if he fills out a slight bit Bowes will do well to hang on to him he's a smashing player well, on that, does he have a better chance as a right back than they have in their positions in terms of the next stage if he gets there I don't know about Dawson I think Dawson will more than likely have interest if not now very soon he definitely, he definitely does yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. if not now very soon but I do think Ross will find it tougher than Andy does just in the sense that as a right back if you bomb on up and down the line are athletic and can defend you're ticking a lot of boxes for clubs all across England and especially with I suppose how Brexit has changed the ruling and the Irish players gone over are probably a lot more likely to go over now yeah. is Devoy not better suited to going somewhere other than England though for example Andy Lyons has actually spoken about this 100% he said this is an option this is an option you've seen a couple of players go to non-British clubs um, I just don't think it should, we should necessarily like because it's a different playing style as well Dawson Devoy could definitely play a, a, in continental Europe for Ireland's sake yeah he could because he's so comfortable on the ball and you look at his range of passing and his dribbling you don't normally get that in a league let's say league 2 league 1 mm. player that they can dribble past players midfield it's normally hard tackling and are technically good but mm. again it's not the dribbling so much and you look at let's say Graham Burke when he went over he struggled because again it was a lot more physical and press and don't really play that style of football at that time yeah. so they played 4-5-1 four, four, he was you never going to work with but like you see clubs like MK Dons now are, mm. are possession obsessed so mm. I think there's a danger of also labelling oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. no, abs- absolutely like, the standard change. of the championship yeah. is extremely high like, and that's another issue it's not it's not a comfortable transition necessarily like. Yeah. no no again look the championship the, that is like, yeah. you know, there's League 1 clubs who are very very good mm. teams and mm. I don't think too many League of like well, a good few would get in, but into the top League One teams, they're yeah. well-run outfits. Look so at the resources. Though. Yeah, they've uh, again they'll be throwing a lot of money behind going up into the championship. Yeah. So, it's cer- I'm certainly not saying it's a mugs league or it's a, yeah. a hoofing league. What people would have foreseen maybe 10, 15 years ago, but it's, there's certainly that. Uh, I suppose that let's say the disciplined League One, League Two player that is would you probably see in most League One, League Two midfields, which is that hard mm. say, sitting midfielder who's going to make sure that the games I suppose his team aren't being softly beaten and stuff whereas Dawson Devoy isn't that he's completely different centre midfield he's going to dribble past you. he's going to look to try and obviously play them switches of play and he's a he's a player who look I'd love to see go to the right if he does go I'd love yeah. to see him obviously stay for at least this year and maybe six months next year just so he can make sure that when he goes over he's going into a first team and not going over to maybe 
bide his time and look to break in. It's for me, go when you're ready and when you're ready to play first team. Mm. So I was speaking to Stephen Rice about him, your old teammate last yeah. week. You would have coached him at DDSL under 14 team with Nathan Collins and Jason Knight mm. and Dawson mm. DeVoy. So, mm. and, and I think ability boys, there's no concerns. I think he was just a later developer mm. in some of them. But um, what have you met of, of Rovers, um, your old club? Uh, you know, yeah, and, and where, where they're going at the moment I mean speculation even I think Stephen Bradley is, mm-hmm. was certainly on a long list for MK or a, sh- a shorter version of a long list for the MK Don's job I'm not sure what's going to happen with that but what have you met of them? Yeah like, each week I'm looking at them thinking okay now they've turned the corner now they've turned the corner they're going to turn the corner and they're just not kicking on from where I thought they would like you try and replace Aaron McAniff and Jack Byrne it's very very tough it's like you look at my our Cork City team imploded when you took away Sean Maguire imploded when you took away Kieran Sadlier so I know how tough it is to replace I suppose that X factor in your team they're ticking along nicely Richie Tell is a great signing for them for me if they can if they could get a striker who could really stretch teams for me it would change I suppose the whole Pace way they play. Like, yeah, yeah. A, a quick striker up front who could stretch teams in mind it would Create a bit more, play, I suppose, room in midfield yeah. to play. Who is that striker? <laughs> like, where do you get him? <laughs> yeah, no. look, but everyone's looking yeah. for it. I mean, mm. that's why Idemo has suddenly been given a chance. Is that mm. Seventeen started on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but everyone's looking for that striker, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, even in recent years, and you probably noticed as a front man, it hasn't been a massively uh, prolific league in the sense of like twenty goal a season for players. Yeah, and is it just a hard league to score goals in, or is it just is it dearth of that particular type of? central striker around I think you look across a lot of the world them strikers tend to be going out of it it's a lot more okay you're a striker let's say Georgie Kelly for example who yeah. you need to hold the ball up you need to bring us into play you need to work hard whereas I was with Gary Twig and the last thing he done was work hard yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah Gary Twig was a goal scorer and he knew that himself in training he possession games he kind of just stayed to the side of it like we'd be doing possession and he'd make sure that he's not involved in it but as soon as a ball came into the box I remember my very first session I was thinking this guy isn't actually very good I'm going to start up front this year mm. and then right at the end of the session across came in it was in five sides me and him and he absolutely put me to the ground and bulleted the header into the back of the net and I was going that's why he's yeah. Gary Twig yeah, and that's why he scores the goals but now you look at it strikers have to bring something else so I suppose Shamrock Rovers will say that Aaron Green stretches the game slightly for them but it's more his link play which is great and Rory Gaffney has link play as well I'd say Kelly up front for Bowes is doing the same he's linking it in but I look back at Sean Maguire up till June that year he scored 20 you look at Richie Tell the previous seasons he had scored what was it maybe 25 26 across the season probably not like a Far off teams having no strikers, like you know, where you play a system of I don't know, four six or something, and you well, just Benson, Benson, yeah. probably Benson, Benson played as a false nine or a central yeah. striker for Pats away, away against because, Rogers. like, the, the Berbatov type player. I, I and I'm speculating here, but with all the data and all that, like, you can't get away with it anymore, presumably, if you're not if you're not working. So, the number 10, who said to us last year, number 10 is the hardest working yeah. player in the game now, times like, which is a bit bad, yeah, it is. It and again, number 10 is the hardest position. I was put in for one game for shells and I never wanted to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, it's right. it's yeah, a Jesus, yeah, it was uh, it was not a nice day, but it was uh, yeah, look the game's completely changed. Them, as you said, leisure players who stroll mm. around are gone from the game and the player that I really like in the league at the minute is Maddie Smith. I think mm. Rovers wouldn't be far off 
I suppose it wouldn't be too go, wouldn't go too far two wrong if they looked at again, they? if they looked at him. I think his pace, he works his socks off, and he, he stretches teams. He runs in behind, and he's I suppose direct. Mm. He's, he's a player that I really like at the moment. What, what did you so you, did you enjoy the whole fuss around Dundalk and McElhenney in the pre-contract agreement? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, 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 I think you were on Twitter about that as well. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, that was a, I had a nice little chuckle at that. <laughs> uh, people in glass houses. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was a bit of a mad one. I actually think the reaction to... I think the, there was a story out of nothing last week where it was suggested that he mightn't even be signing for Derry, which I don't think was ever going to be the case. But, but I think uh, I think he. I think what happened was he gave an interview. Like if, if someone had interviewed you at that stage, yeah. what what can you really say? It was James Rogers. And in fairness now, James wasn't making the story over, but it, I, I listened to it back as well. And I was like, but there's no suggestion here that he's... But not going to have to go and give an interview to the yeah, Derry Journal. <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm not doing, I'm not Lo- doing a chef on this. Lo- <laughs> yeah, what happened to chef that time? But anyway, yeah. Before we wrap up, Cork City uh, was at the game, a smash and grab. They've gone to Go United and Sligo and gotten 3 2 wins, which actually probably get, they're getting going, but uh, I don't know. The, the Cork demise to me is one of the most bizarre stories in football in, in, in my lifetime, anyway, where they've gone from the height of when you were there to. Essentially, been struggling at near the bottom of the first division very quickly. Yeah, so I think at the very start of the year, people are calling for Colin Healy's head after maybe five, six games, and for me, it was uh, that's nonsense. For me, yeah, it was nonsense. Yeah. Really, he's uh, I know he's going to be a very, very good coach, Why a very do you good say manager. That? The attitude, uh, his determination, his knowledge of the game, everything. He was even working his socks off with the academy, so there'd be no better man who knows. I suppose every little ounce of what each player can do there and how they play and what they respond to because again it's just a young team that they have at the mm. moment and I've no doubt they stick with Colin Healy in two three years time they'll be where they need to be but can you get your head around it they're 7th in the 1st division or 8th in the 1st division I mean it's just like sometimes I think the danger is you get used to it but I think every time you comment on it or talk to someone who was there a couple of years ago they just can't believe it like that club you know when it with purrs, it's it's something else. Yeah. So what the hell is going on? I know. You, know? you look like it's frightening. Like you look at the games every time we used to play Dundalk, people would be asking, "Can you get me tickets? Can you get me tickets?" No, it's sold out. They might let you in. You might come in as an extra float in, but again, mm. it's sold out. They, uh, mm. And from where they were them days to where we are now, double winners to what were they second bottom in the first mm. division a while ago so and it's not like Blackburn will say win the league and that's like uh, Black Swan this yeah. is Cork City it's a big big city it's a big club there's no reason this should have happened yeah and again they still had big fans coming in like mm. for the year that everything that supposedly went wrong with I suppose the average gate was probably maybe 4,000 and a lot of people would have snapped your hands off in the League of Ireland at that maybe mm. three and a half four thousand so they, uh, they budgeted for more they budgeted for more yeah. they had yeah but did, did yeah. you I mean, did you even get an uncomfortable feeling that year then you know that things weren't maybe going yeah uh, that year was it's post Sean Maguire but what else happened no look I, I, I think Sean, I think Sean Maguire obviously left and a huge gap was there John tried to they went 52 weeks and I'll be honest, they didn't go 52 weeks the right way. They went 52 weeks on the same money you're basically on. And it was great for players. It was a fantastic time to be a Cork City player. But obviously, the club, and again, it's tough for them. They were rewarding players who won a double for them, who were mm. in a position to go speak with other teams. Like They had to re-sign Stephen Dooley. I re-signed around that time. Other lads, Greg Bulger, Stephen Beattie, all signed big contracts. And so... 
when things started to I suppose go wrong they just went terribly wrong because of the jump that they took from well I think it was maybe only 46 weeks we were on before to 52 but you that think that's not increases. an extra six weeks you're saying that they didn't stretch the money out across the 52 yeah, weeks which yeah. would have just six weeks extra yeah. Yeah. so again it went from again one or two players may have had to stretch theirs but a lot of lads were almost rewarded for yeah. that and then and you had a big squad yeah we had a big squad yeah. and again I suppose the following year once you start poorly the place was then just not nice to be in oh, really yeah oh like there was lads every I felt like every three or four weeks a new lad was gone someone else was in you'll say a right back uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it felt like just every so often you'd have lads who we knew at the start of the year we'll do well to get Europe and we were saying it then so, really oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember we had met in a we met in Starbucks in Mahan and we were or not Mahan in uh, Douglas we were chatting about eight of us and we were saying we'll do well lads if we can scrape Europe this year we'll be doing well and Next thing, we were closer to the bottom than we were it's at the mad. top. It's mad when you think about it, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a bit of a question, but does Party ever think what would have happened if you'd just gone to the dock as, as the deal that was there? Uh, no, not really. Again, I, I'd like to look back and go, oh, I would have went to went and won the league or would have this and that, but what would have happened was I'd have been on Astro and my career would have actually been over even a little bit earlier than I'd have liked. Mm. And what about the pitch last No, but sorry, that finished <laughs> yeah. the point, yeah. Yeah, so, like, again, I would have went to Dundalk and still a harder arthritis, so I'd have been finished a little bit earlier because any time I went on Astro, the back was ten times worse. I, I'm so. really interested in that. Like, how people don't maybe see that, like, that I... I it's like concrete in ways, isn't it? It is hard. But it wasn't even. Though I walked across the pitch after the game on Sunday. The surface at the moment up there is, is a bit strange. Like, yeah. You know, but Astro not, itself, it's not, Astro in yeah. general, I know. But yeah. the, the surface up there at the moment is yeah. Is it's it's all pellets yeah. and whatever. Yeah. But, but like, okay, we're beside the point. But like, you've amazing football. The first half, Dundalk and Pats was almost as good as I've seen in the League of Ireland. But like, there were great moments that were completely spoiled by the erratic nature of the pitch. But I don't think people like Astro is kind of a, a fad now. Like, I I don't like it. I don't think it's natural. Yeah. No. Look, you look at it. You, you can get some brilliant Astros. You really mm. can. And Astro, you look at. I think in Iceland they have mm. a lot of them have almost perfect four mm. G pitches now. Mm. And if it's done correct, Derry's is actually very good. Mm. Der- yeah. Derry's, but it does regress. Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. and it needs, I suppose, maintenance every what is it, every year or two mm. that you'd need to almost rip it up and put a new one back down or at least I suppose look after it but the big thing for me obviously with Dundalk is yes their pitch has been poor for years you look at the stadium some of the goals that let's say Patrick McElhaney has scored yeah. I think of his run and his chip against Sligo if that's in the stadium like it was in Vitesse you're going look at this look what the League of Ireland has to show but it's in Dundalk where there's no stand behind the goal and it's yeah again it's just harping back onto that I suppose that if we have better facilities, we'll get more people in, and I suppose that's for Dundalk to answer to. They had the money to go and do it. Yeah, Someone is drilling in the background as if to say, uh, "Yeah, I feel your pain on that point." But uh, <laughs> there is great chatting to you. There is no work. Yeah, no, there, there, there is. There's a lot more stuff, but we'll have you on again anyway when you're on the next. I mean, your north side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan, you have to start coming to my gap now. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah. Just yeah, passing the Morton Stadium, a lot of old memories. Shamrock Rovers have come a long way since then, anyway, and uh, so have you, obviously, since uh, yeah. we've seen you last. Morton is Lean Book is Sporting Pingal, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have a good little story before we finish, right? So just before I signed with Shamrock Rovers, the year uh, we obviously went and got into Europe, and what a year it was. 
I met Liam Buckley about three days before uh, before I signed with Shamrock Rovers and brought the brought me into Alsa, showing us the training ground, yeah. talking me around, going, "Look, Carl, this is a uh, plans for the stadium. We're going to go with this. We're going to do this, this, and this. <laughs> I can sign you. I'll offer you more than Shamrock Rovers there." And I was like. Went home to my dad. Dad, you won't believe it. Sporting Bengal are having me more money here. Well, I go and signed him. He said, "No, look, Rovers are the champion. Are the champions? Go and sign with them. It'll be better to sign with them." And the next day, I think it was two days later, Sporting Bengal went bust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a story. Yeah. Door, there was one. God, yeah. Jeez, what times? Yeah. What a time! Yeah. What a time! Yeah. Who of course, knows? you're best known for your Galway United days. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. forgot. well, anyway, yeah. Well, who was the who was the new team that wanted to Dublin County FC? Jeez, were looking that's at right. Stadium, what, was, so. what was the name? It was Irish CFC. Yeah, yeah, Irish yeah. CFC. The empty yeah. vessels, as they could have been nicknamed. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll get back to that. It's great to have you on, Carl. And we're going to hear it before we go. Before we move on to the next slot from Johnny's discussion earlier this week with Ross Tierney and Dawson Devine. Ross, just um, the levels against Pauk, um, I suppose it was a step up from the Doodland and Starnan game and maybe a step up from, I suppose, the average League of Ireland game. How did you personally find that level of combat? Yeah, I personally found it okay, really. It's just an 11-11. They maybe more, have more quality than we're probably used to, but we know we have a lot of quality in the team, in our squad, and we know we have a lot more to come. But personally, I felt it was just unbelievable to play in front of fans again. Obviously, the Bowes fans are... Are unbelievable and we're just just happy to play in front of them happy to play against tough opposition and quality opposition and like did that performance that you had will say against them did that suggest to you that like i can play at this level and i can maybe play at a higher level down the line yeah i'm, I'm happy where i'm playing now at bowls and it's obviously a high level at bowls but obviously european games are another step up in quality when you understand that and maybe we need to step up our percentages more in, in our games but no way uh, I know that on my own, uh, I know my own strengths and I have confidence in my own game and I know how far I can go. What are your strengths? I keep them to myself. <laughs> and uh, just in relation, I suppose, the last week, we saw teenagers scoring for Pats uh, and Shamrock Rovers. Jamie Mullins coming through as well. What have you made of the standard of like the young players coming through in the league of Ireland, a lot of them homegrown as well? Yeah, but... <laughs> Maybe some people outside of Ireland look down on Irish Irish football, but we have a lot of quality young and old lads in um, in the League of Ireland and at youth level. He said, uh, but yeah, obviously we have a lot of young lads in in our squad. I think we've won the youngest squads in the league, if not the youngest squad in the league. But uh, obviously Jamie Jamie's coming through. He's still a young boy, still learning the game, as we all are. I'm learning my game as well. But no, we still a lot of quality in Ireland and. Uh, I think the Irish game has gone the right direction. And just finally on that, like, do you feel that you're part of that story? Because I think obviously the the Bose performance last week was, I think, it was like one of the headlines on the UEFA website that people are stepping up and taking notice of the results and like some amazing results from yourselves in Europe. Yeah, it's great for our own own um, team, but it's great for the league. We know that teams around Ireland are doing well in Europe, but we just need to concentrate ourselves and not get too carried away with results that we've had in Europe and we just need to concentrate towards doing it. Dawson, how have you found your own sort of progression this season? Um, you've evolved into a kind of a more of a central midfielder and how have you found the games uh, against this standard of opposition in the Viva Stadium? Uh, yeah, no, I'm loving it in the middle of the park this year. Uh, Buko's been great for me, obviously. He does a lot of hard work and doesn't go unnoticed, obviously. But um, 
yeah, no, the, the games in the Aviva, especially, have been unbelievable. I mean, like playing on a pitch like that, you can't really, you can't really have a bad game, to be honest. But uh, yeah, no, I've been loving it. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. Does it lift your levels when you're playing in a place like that compared to, I suppose, your standard League of Ireland run? Uh, well, obviously, you should, you should um, be on your game in every game. But uh, I think in the Aviva, in front of 8,000 Bowls fans, it's just, it's special. Like, so, uh, yeah, and the pitch as well. The pitch is like a carpet. So, yeah, we're, uh, we've all been, been playing well on it. So, yeah. And did you find against Pauk that like they, there seemed to be a bit of a tension on you from the opposition that maybe you were, the secret was out in terms of how well you played in the previous two games? Uh, yeah, I think they would have given respect to every player because we've we've got through two rounds in Europe. Like, hasn't been by fluke. So, uh, yeah, we've all been playing well, really. So, I think, yeah, that's, that's what it is, yeah. What are your ambitions with Ireland? Uh, obviously, just to hopefully get get another call up and and see see where that takes me. Yeah. And just finally, that I think it was um, Gary Rogers sort of half said that Jamie Mullins could be sort of a young Dawson Devoy. What have you made of him, and uh, what are his qualities going forward? Yeah, Jamie's been with him for a year, uh, over a year. So he's been Jamie's been really good. He, he's he's a very good player, very technical player, and. Uh, I think he's still very young. He's still a lot to learn. Obviously, the same as myself. But um, yeah, no, he's 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 a big talent, and he has a, a big future ahead of him. Yeah, thanks to Bose for uh, arranging those interviews with uh, two of the rising stars in the league. Um, obviously, Dan, we we've discussed uh, Bose last week. Uh, Shamrock Rovers, you'd imagine they're fairly kind of they're in they're in a very good position. The Dundalk one is a bit mad because um, as much as they were pummeled in the first half. I didn't feel they were under that much pressure when they were 2-1 up. And I think I actually thought they were going to win the game 2-1. But having said that, I'm sure they would have bitten your hand off for 2-all and, and all of that. So this one's going to be interesting in Tala. Oh, listen, I mean, they were hammered for the first, as you said, 40, 45 minutes. And speaking to Sonny Natistad at the weekend, who said he was the most tired he's ever been after a mm. game, uh, particularly at half-time coming in. And the feeling is that Vitesse are one of the most attacking teams I think they've ever faced. Yeah. And they were, their style was their centre-half of the back three was bombing into midfield that was actually he got caught for the lead up to the mm. McElhenney goal but just they were full on attack and but they're a young side like Vitesse are, are a development club they had a relationship with Chelsea they have a lot of players on loan like Mason Mount was there a couple of years back and they always have young players there who are passing through at the start of the season it's a new cycle and it feels like there's just there, there was a vulnerability there in terms of experience that once they conceded they lost their confidence and really yeah I mean I spoke about the Dalton and Lavadia being so clinical. And it, I mean, to quibble with a League of Ireland team drawn away to an our division team is, is madness. Look at, in any context, it's a great result for a team to draw two all away to the, the club to come fourth in Holland. I think what's sick of the Dock is that I think they've been really good at, 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 against Lavadia. Like they were just, they, they, they were just so clinical and they drove mm. it home. And if they could just seen out that game at two mm. one, because they were, they, it was just it was a cross into the box, and they just didn't defend it well. But actually, in terms of how they managed the game at two one, I thought they managed it pretty well. They conceded like, four goals, and they're they're not great defensively this season. I think it's fair to say they conceded four goals on Sunday in a game again when they were by far the better team in the first half. Yeah, there's a frailty just, there. Like. Well, yeah, but I think it was just I think in the European games, 
yeah, and I suppose they did concede two at home to Lavadia as well. I, I, I think their experience is, is shining through. I mean, you, like, you look at them drop on Sunday and it's like, you, you have, okay, Patching's are hugely experienced actually, but amazing pedigree. But then you've got Duffy, Patching, McElhenney, Sean Murray playing behind Hooban. Mm. I mean, that's, like, that's a front five. You know, and Sloggett in behind as well. Sloggett and Stanton played 45 minutes each on Sunday. That, that seemed like part of a an arrangement almost with a view to, to, to just keeping them both 100% fit for Thursday. But like, they actually on paper have a very, like have a, have a team, a lot of them have been around the block, played a lot mm. of games with Dundalk or elsewhere at a good level. It's like you're saying earlier, hang in there. If you go 1-0 down, yeah, hang in there. I think you're falling behind. I got, like, there's so many, I think falling behind for our clubs it tends to, in some ways, I don't think Vitesse took the foot off the pedal at all. I mean, they mm. really could have been two or three and a yeah. break. It's not an exaggeration to say that. Um, but, in fairness, like the the, the build up to the second goal for them, or sorry, the the opening goal for McLennie was a good play, and actually Huben, to be fair, wasn't always shone in Europe for Dundalk, but in this particular game, someone with his style, sometimes you think you need McMillan to stretch teams, but actually Huben dropping in to try and take the ball off, He's a very good pass for the ball, like. but he, but him dropping in to take the ball yeah. off the midfielders left their their back three, yeah, brought them up a, in an uncomfortable position, and yeah. and. And that was the thing. So Huben actually. So it'll be interesting. I think from Venice's perspective, do you start mm. Huben on Thursday? Do you still start McMillan? Huben was started against Pats, but that would have been his first chance to play ninety minutes. You know, to try and get him on or, or to start a game. Sorry, because and um, there was changes made as the game went on. But yeah, that that's a tough one for Venice. Like, I mean, I think it's going to be still very difficult for them. Like, oh, I think of the three like, yeah. teams. Of the three teams, they are the most likely one to go out. Yeah, and Vita should improve. But as well, but the like. one thing you would say is that. Like it's going to be the first time this year that really Dundalk like the Levania game the last time was a bit of a didn't have didn't, the fans didn't set it out really and, and there was reasons behind that but they've organised it better this time there's 1500 people going to be there make a difference in Tala home crowd against a team that if things start to go against them I think you know you can make life difficult for them I just think the key is I think Vitesse are going to come out strong mm. and they, they could come out strong and score early and, and just completely overrun the dog but I just feel like they have the ability they didn't have patching last week just remember so like if they have patching available this time look, there's a few tactical things that, that they have to uh, you know handle who do you play off the right for example you know what what do you do um, do you play Sloggett and Stanton you probably mm. do need that I think mm. but then what do you play McElhenney maybe off the right with patching and, and, and Duffy so there's, there's a lot of options that's an interesting one Bowes um Kieran Kelly wasn't in the squad against Waterford at the weekend so we're waiting to find out if, he, if is he going to be involved against Pauk he's been in colossus so well. he's been so good so um, hopefully all is alright there but if he wasn't there it'd be a massive loss not just in terms of defensive colossus I think even his distribution stepping out from the back is important for him Pauk um, finished the game very strongly in, in Dublin as well they're um, subs I mean, they've sold uh, they've sold Solace one of their subs mm. uh, to, to Norwich um, but Bizeswire come on had a real impact and listen, they you'd expect that they are going to be a lot sharper. But it's like we talk about with Chep, like you can turn the noise into advantage. But again, it feels like both Dundalk and Bowes. If you said to me that both of them would be nil all after half an hour of both of their games, you'd be happy out. Yeah. You'd be really, really Bowes happy. Bowes have scored in all their away games in Europe. I think under Keith Long against good opposition yeah. in Fervor. Um, I can see them creating chances. I oh yeah, totally, they, they have. The I didn't think they were great defensively. They have the ability, like Tierney, like Tierney actually has said. Like he's he's a bit to learn, I think, and physically, mm. like it's a, a demanding for him. But he just has a very natural style that he just mm. finds he finds space. So, um, that's at six o'clock, and then Rovers, Rovers are and at seven. seven. I I 
I, massive I, goal I, for them. I, yeah. I thought last week as that game went on, I was thinking if this finishes nil all, you're going over to Albania next week in the mid thirties. You just never know what could happen over there. Like all you need is one, you know, a referee that's swayed by home advantage mm. or whatever. Just things go against you. But now they have a lead. I'd be really confident. Should manage the game. Through. Nil all. I was starting to think mm. this is typical. We're getting carried away and thinking. Well, actually, Rovers they're the one who should get mm. to the groups, and they and you know they, they, they you know they're the one that 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 it doesn't happen for. But I mean, the fact that they're 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 scoring late goals in Europe, like they score late goals against Longford, mm. and that's encouraging for them. As I said, yeah, Longford are kind of an old gill when it comes to these oh, Rovers games. Yeah. I mean. My mate Julian texted me, well, it's six minutes injury time. You know what's going to happen here. And because uh, I'd been, I'd watched the Pats to Nock game and I was kind of had the football 24 on the background and inevitably the noise came that there was a goal and felt very sorry, but it was a brilliant header from Liam Scales. Uh, it's just, it just keeps, it keeps happening mm. that long for you. It was actually, uh, Rory Higgins was at the game and somebody shouted up to me, Rovers last minute against Longford. I assumed he was referencing the previous games or have mm. they scored? Because I remember I was watching the previous game here, bloody delivery driver, knocked on the door 95th minutes well you're safe enough to go and get mm. the delivery at 95 and then I come back in and they're celebrating was it was a Roy yeah. Gaffney that time yeah, or something in, in Longford yeah it's sort of um, it is amazing like Longford and I know there's there is something in it of course that Rovers wear down teams who try to like who will try to run the clock and waste time six minutes a but controversial to, six but minutes but to happen well. against the same yeah. team three, three times, times yeah. is just something that it's it's not it's not your you don't want to be seeing Rovers again if you're if you're long for but you will and you probably will lose to them. Uh, here uh, here's on. a mad one though. Are drawn in danger of slightly getting drawn into it because they're wobbling. Finn Harps beat Sligo um, and Watford are clearly Finn, on Finn the Finn Harps beat Sligo with Joey and Doe commentary that was enjoyable. I yeah. saw a lot of football over the weekend actually. Mm. I saw a good bit of that game. I saw all of the Waterford Bowes match. Um and, and it's funny, there've been mixed reviews of Waterford in terms of had they been maybe fortunate to pick up some of their recent results. But I thought they were okay. Mm. Notwithstanding the fact they were playing against a weakened bow side. But I didn't think, you know, I thought they were they, they were decent enough, and the new the new signings that are coming in, you just remember that some of them are only playing, like this is only the second, third, fourth game. So mm. you'd imagine their levels would improve. Phoenix Patterson scored at the weekend. There's another, there's two juniors in the league now. I mean, this is just confusing, but uh, the junior at, at Waterford um, looks to be a good addition as well, and they've got Greg Halford coming on, um, off the bench, like. You know, six, five, six, six, making us all feel yeah. old. Former Roy, well, Roy Keane turning fifty. Yeah, yeah. Former uh, great anecdote about him with um, Desi Baker in one of the papers today, where um, Schmeichel was calling him Irish. Hey, Irish, give me a, get basically get me tea and toast, and Keane just told him where to go. I think it was the cleanest said, boots actually. I think yeah, he, and he Schmeichel, also asked him for tea and toast. Schmeichel said, "Oh, he, he did said, right." Sorry, he what's said, your can, name? Can Desi, I see? Can I see my face? Yeah, in these? I always hated Schmeichel. I thought he was an absolute dick, um, and I hated Man United, but I particularly hated him. And Keane comes out great in that, but he is fifty, which makes us feel a little bit old. Um, um, I had to, uh, I met Schmeichel at the World Cup in Russia, but maybe good, he's mellowed a bit. Our, yeah, our, our good friend Kevin Kilban. <laughs> yeah, for some reason it was a sort of a strange night that I went to meet. Um, Went to meet Kilban uh, in. He said he was in Moscow. And Schmeichel came to meet you. And, and no, basically, I, I didn't really say where he was, but he said he was just out in some like some place. And I went in, and it was effectively like all the BBC like pundits and A listers. And I was in the lift, and I looked at who's this in the lift, and it was Peter Schmeichel and his uh, his, his 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 current partner or whatever. I sort of realised we were all. It was a very exclusive place. I felt yeah. completely out of place. It was absolutely. What was he like? Disgraceful. Um, I mean, pleasant, yeah. yeah. Chatting, yeah. His, his, his other half, very, very friendly as well. Um, I saw all these characters at the table, like you know, Jermaine Jennison, 
Rio Ferdinand and Danny Murphy. I didn't really have much to offer to general to general discussion. I just saw yeah, yeah. it. Reminds me of being on the, place. Reminds me of being on the pay per review with David McWilliams one time. I was like if if this were this if this were being the depth of the sea, like I'm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in terms of being out of my depth. You brought you brought McWilliams to uh, the uh, Rovers. The Rovers Do you remember that game actually? Been back? Rovers. I don't think he has, when but in terms there haven't been oh, it'd be a long time ago now. Yeah. But the Rovers Bowes game, that was the game where uh, the, the atmosphere that night it was like a midweek game, and there were obviously the two red cards or whatever. Or Grace was sent off. It was unbelievable. There was that's what the thing about it is actual casual fans can't really go to yeah. games at the moment. That's yeah. the thing you can't really say to someone do you want to go to a game because all the games are wrapped up with uh yeah the the, the, the members so, in the season ticket so, although I see. Longford are some clubs are still struggling maybe to fill their quotas. Mm. Longford are letting Finn Harps fans in this week. Yeah, stuff, to be fair, in yeah. Dublin and Tala and those Rovers games and and Bowes, like I mean, you know, with the exception of the Aviva matches, where some floating fans have actually gone for them. Yeah, as, as John Caulfield referenced. We were we we're kind of hoping to get hard. Colin Healy on today, but actually Cork have had a mad day uh, selling tickets for the Cove game. There's been a massive interest in that. But uh, just briefly on the the Pats on the hockey game. Like, I, I've watched a good bit of Pats um, the last couple of years. The first half, I think, was as much as I've seen them being under the cosh. And they were 2-1 up after it. Melvin Lambert, brilliant for the second goal, which he set up. But then the second half, Pats ended up winning 4-1. And you're like, so they might get back to four points here. And obviously Rovers won. Or, sorry, three, three, would it be, it's three points now with the game in hand. But poor they Olabibi with the penalty. Yeah, well, it's not poor Olabibi. He poleaxed uh, Maddie Smith. He's, I mean, he's, what's he doing? He's had such a revival. He has. Maybe. He's been playing well. He, I actually, thought he was very good in Holland, actually. But he, I thought he, he was a very good game. But he had a role in two goals the other day. Well, he wouldn't be happy he, he, I mean, what was he thinking? Anyway, so the fixtures this weekend. St. Pat's Watford. I think you'll be at that game. Um, see Watford maybe in the first first sign while Longford Finn Harps again if Longford have any flicker of hope they probably need to win this game draw the Shamrock Rovers Sunday and these are the Derry Dundalk Bo Sligo Sligo um, really having a poor run of form but Bo's yeah, league form is, is, is striking mm, yeah. I, now I watched the game against Harps like they had a lot like a lot of uh, opportunities to kind of you know go one nil up and then they gave away a sloppy goal and it was didn't do a lot after that. All hands on deck at the end. Unbelievable save at the end from the Harps keeper. Um, first division fixtures uh, upcoming as well. I'll actually be at Galway Shells, which is uh, probably I suppose the marquee fixture. Although it was an interesting weekend last weekend because Treaty were battered by Cabin Teeley. Treaty visit Bray, Cork at home to Cove, as I said, that's the Cork derby, obviously. Uh, Wexford, uh, we've been having a bit of a revival under Ian Ryan at home to Cabin Teeley. UCD against Athlone and Galway v Shells. Galway, actually, we had a, a good chance to kind of close the gap on Shells, who had, a, I think, a 17-year-old in goal in UCD, but lost to um, Cork City. And I was doing the match fourth, and I was like, the difference in the two teams here is Dylan McGlade, but apparently he's done next to nothing all season. Like, there's been the one game where he was just so he, good. He, he showed up. Well, I mean, yeah. there you go. I mean, it's, a, it's um, sometimes, like, he just... So maybe a certain team just brings that yeah you know some players get moves off the strength of that kind of stuff yeah maybe one performance in one game at the right time he was very good 800 fans at the game so that's great it'll sell out against uh, Shells just on the so we'll finish up then on the uh, we have to go to the four star pizza, pizza. I was going to say I mean this is a crucial thing I think it was Ali Davis won last week so yeah. um, the, the question this week is obviously it's almost Shep related and it's uh, related to the Shamrock Rovers European run in 2011. Do you actually have a question? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question which is just after... Is what other players scored mind. in the group stages for Rovers? No, the question is how many goals did Shamrock Rovers score in the group stages? So we know that Shepard scored 
against Pauk away. We, we've referenced the goal against Spurs, Stephen Rice, uh, the famous goal that put them ahead. Um, but how many goals did they score across the, the six group games? So, I mean, you can find this information on Google. I anyway. was going to be something about Harry Kane, you know, for which player scored his first goal. Uh, what what other internationals scored against an Oba Fame? Which 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 ex Newcastle striker scored the first goal in that group stage campaign? It was Oba Femi Martins for Ruben Kazan. Um, wow! But I didn't I didn't I didn't do just, that. Just while you're still there, so the well I'm still here. Yeah. The atmosphere. Uh, I mean, I'm in my house, Johnny. I'll be here for the rest oh, of the evening. Yeah, I, I have to. Possibly longer. Go back to the. You're, you're mad. You're mad to go to a fish restaurant in Dalton. It's not. It's, <laughs> like I mean, like that's an, that's an implication that I have an amazing life. But it's incredible. Like you're you're telling me about antsy. You want to finish job because you no, no, you might be going I'm, to I'm, a fish restaurant I'm, in Dalton. No, I'm not. I'm going to make a centre burger. We've had it. We've had a sort of nice earthy experience here. We've met we've met Carl Shepherd in the north side, but but Johnny Ward, former man of the people is now looking at the clock anxiously wondering about will you follow through on your booking at a fish restaurant in Dalton okay well that's not exactly but so we were both at the game in Warsaw as you say I love the atmosphere of that game but uh, I want to go to a Pauk game since I saw them against Sean Rovers that time and I've I was like Dawson DeVoy was on about the looking up the YouTube videos I've been doing that for like years because Pauk fans are off the charts so it'll be a lot of crack for Bose. It will be. And I mean, it will be a great life experience for them. And as, as I said, like, I mean, it's a massive game for Pauk. And it can just go both ways. And I, I think it's important to stress, like, you see, you said earlier at the start of the show about it being a, a pretend, you know, one of the greatest weeks for Irish football. Now, I, I disagree because they're all first legs. But That's true, like, yeah. But like, like, it was exhilarating. Like, I was yeah. buzzing off the whole thing. And it's great. And, and But like, you have that sort of wariness in you that like, it's very, very likely that 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 the two like that the dock and bows won't go through, and that and it's possible that all three could go out. It doesn't make you know the the last week any less worthy. It's all about sort of having the most constructive discussion around it. But it would be it would be thrilling if you could be if we could be sitting here or wherever we are next week, looking forward to like you know multiple like Shamrock Rovers, multiple different, times. Different yeah, general places. We'll do it. Um, general places. No, I think time. I think there's an, an onus there now though with how well they've done and a lot of the young players coming through that there's a good time to have this discussion with Brexit. And I do think the TV, I think the TV debate just looking online, I think that went a bit beyond League of Ireland circles. I think people were reading about that. It, it the, the the websites that I read the TV debates there were there were a lot of hits for them. So I think. That has energized people. Well, yeah, like I, I've certainly heard some suggestions on the grapevine that think at official levels, as in beyond the FAI and like the, the relationship between the government and football in Ireland is going to be very important to what happens. I think like well, have you seen any of Chris uh, Andrews uh, press releases? I mean, well, he's he's still he's they're still they're they're, they're, well, they're the biggest party in Ireland at the moment. They're not Chris Andrews. I mean. He's just, he just sounds like a boss. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, Chris Andrews, like, I mean, he, 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 he used to be in Fianna Fáil, he's in Sinn Féin. He is. It's, he'd be perfect, like, League of Ireland. Perfect, it's like the League of Ireland version of, like, the guys who played for all four Dublin. Like, Stephen Donnelly's the League yeah. of Ireland man at heart. He, like, he went from the Social Democrats to Fianna Fáil. It's, a, it's like a League of Ireland style transfer. can hold hands with him and, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah like, the, like, anyway. the, like, the question mark of how many people have been in four different clubs. Who's the PR for Sinn to show like you know you know jumping, what was your jump, point jumping anyway? between party allegiance i'm not even sure my yeah, point was. so you think no, in I, government I, circles i think it has been noted i think that the i think that sometimes things happen at the right time and i just i just think that when there's a broader debate at the moment about structures and academies and what is going on 
and the fact there was a 17 year old kid scoring the winner for Rovers mm. uh, it's what I was sort of alluding to earlier 2011 nothing happened 2016 nothing happened and in, and in many respects people involved with clubs knew that was only a Dundalk story not a league story but I think that 2021 it might be more of a league story it's three clubs as well last week who, no it's not just one yeah, it's not just one club um, doing a thing but like I do I do get the sense that it might be well timed without getting too carried away um, I just wouldn't be surprised if if it proved helpful in terms of discussions that are ongoing at the moment around realising that the league is pretty important and you may need to invest uh, and, in it and, and I, I think I, I think it could I, have been it could, it could, the timing has been pretty good it is so it'd be great if I, I, I really expect Sharon Groves to go through and I wouldn't be amazed if one of the other two did maybe Bose. But like, let's let's just hope at least one of them go through. But like, I did a piece on um, betting shops last week, and it was put to me that in some betting shops, horse racing accounts for roughly ten to fifteen percent of the bets placed. Right, so that's an indication of like the money that goes to horse racing. And this has been made a point. This has been made before. There's a lot of money betting other stuff that could go to football and stuff like that. Government money can go to fund. You know, academies in theory, and I think I think I think you might be onto something there. I think it's something that I think that that issue. There's a benefit from it, though. Do you know, like, so the that re- issue that's been raised. I think the betting tax issue. Mm. I think that's going to become relevant again. Dan, that was episode twenty-two. I think. Um, do we need a prediction off you? How many teams go through? One. Being my, pragmatic. My, my good feeling is that it's one, but I don't want to be negative because none would be a bit of. A, I, I didn't think Bowes would beat Pauk last week. I didn't mm. think Dundalk would draw away to Vitesse. I thought they'd lose, so I'm happy to keep to keep being surprised, pleasantly surprised. Um, and I and I certainly I can as I said I can see reasons why they they, they could all get through. Um, probably probably think it'll be one, but desperate to be wrong absolutely desperate to be wrong incredible results by the UEFA conference team so far um, no defeats I think is right and well apart from no, Sligo Rovers losing to FH twice. Uh, sorry apart from yeah so the three teams that are left um, so yeah Sligo Sligo are just feeling but we just have to, we have to forget that Sligo yeah they're, they're, they're feeling it's like, like the it's child like that, was left at home it's like, like that sixth lad who was in boy zone or something yeah. at the start he was on the late late and he like he danced there and he was never actually was that Westlife? Or Probably for all the Sligo lads are in Westlife anyway. <laughs> that was anyway. episode 22 <laughs> in association with FutureTickling.ie. Thanks, Carl Shepard. Mm-hmm.